Good morning. Welcome back to the show here for Lady Blurds. We're we're Lady Blurds. That's right. We're Lady Blurds. Oh my gosh. We are the women Blurds who sing the blues, much like (laughs) Billie Holiday, who we know who sings the blues. Early on a Sunday morning. Early on a Sunday morning, but you know, unlike Billie Holiday, we're a little bit more responsible, but probably (laughs) just as vulgar. (laughs) Absolutely. We're absolutely (laughs) just as vulgar, but not as irresponsible. Oh my God, I need to stop. I, I, so some coffee this morning. (laughs) It's right here, I'm doing my best. (laughs) I, I think about Billie Holiday a lot because she is just like, the mean queen of the jazz scene and like i remember doing a presentation on her and like i remember when i first heard about her when i was a kid i was like oh her story is so sad but then when you see interviews of like old school jazz artists they're like nah that bitch was mean she knew exactly what she was doing yeah She, she was a no no games. And yeah, the way that Diana Ross portrays her, when I saw that film, right? Like I'm a kid, so I assumed like, she was some delicate, you know, uh, lady diva kind of a thing. And it's like, oh no, she will cut you. She, yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> Billie Holiday always got the shiv under, like she, yeah. she got it on lock. She's like, it's in my stocking. Do not F with me, I'm ready. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas like Miss Ella, she's like, I'm cute, and um, I don't really talk much, but I will... this orchid and uh, orchid. Yeah, she's like the white mage of jazz. Like, she'll sing and it calms everybody down. Like, so there's no aggression. But yeah. Billy, on the other hand... Baby. Let's get it together. <laughs> sing it, Louie. I don't even think she said that to me. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Oh my goodness, all right. Hello, we're here. Yes. Oh, How yeah. I, we got to introduce ourselves, right? Yeah, who I are we? Sometimes me. <laughs> I'm sometimes here. I am sometimes <laughs> ready. Trust. I am. I'm on the high of the morning, not the high of the ganja. So I'm just super sleepy and just trying to get it together. Over on what might be my left <laughs> is sing it, Kylie. <laughs> I'm Kylie Too Smart here. Um, not high on the ganja as of yet, as of late. <laughs> Am high on this crisp, cool morning air. Thank you, Monterey Bay. Uh, on to. I love these cheetah girl bands. Row is the testament, yes. And, <laughs> and it is not quite as early on the East, uh, where Billy Holiday uh represents i'm in the same state you know we rep in maryland and uh let me just say it's cold and it's cold cold outside baby it's cold outside exactly the snow is snowing the glow is glowing um (laughs) yeah so it's the hoes are hoeing yes they are Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) they warm (laughs) hoes I'm really appreciating your 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 cheetalicious style this morning, though, for real. <laughs> right with the bow. It's with yes. the bow. <laughs> it is beautiful. I just think like I, I think Prowess's hair is longer than mine. Like you are the true like queen of the jungle right now, for real. Like, you got the mane, you got the print. 
I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say to that, but like, I just really vibe it. And it's a turtleneck. Yes, right. it's a turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> Turtlenecks just hit different. Like if it was like a tube top or just kind of- we can't wear as plus size women. You're not supposed to wear turtlenecks because if you're, you know, I'm like, listen, who says, because I'm going to put something on my neck. I'm going to have a my neck. Back. some coverage defy the fashion considerations made for you know the anti <laughs> rules kylie lives by <laughs> you can't see the full outfit but i'm rocking my i love Straight us to play with and bang it to eat. And while we... <laughs> like, you can, um, yes. tomorrow is the last day of Hanukkah. Yes. Um, so for all of uh, our Jew babies out there who've been celebrating, I love you, Jewbies. Um, I hope you had a great holiday. Festival of Lights, all that jazz. Oh my God, my aunt made the most delicious tasty latkes with just like oh. this cranberry sauce. It was so good. We had a good Hanukkah. We've been having a, a good I love Hanukkah. it. I can't wait to see what she cooks tomorrow. Tomorrow. I love it. Oh, you have to share. <laughs> if I was there, I would partake. I went to a Hebrew school in middle and elementary school. So for me, with Get my new out of here. Yeah. You learned something new. I was just adopted, like, yeah. And my and my next door neighbors, Donnie and Gramps, uh, Maria <laughs> and Francis and John Francis were like my best buddies. So, uh, yeah, I had the fun experience of having like you know Hanukkah at school and with my adoptive grandparents, basically. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you know going into that, like, how's your week, Kylie? So yeah, Hanukkah. What else have you done aside from the foodies and? Did you do any like games that are within the Hanukkah spirit? What do you tra- what do you traditionally do? Uh, so me, because I'm a bad Jew, I'm a bad Jew. <laughs> I mean, we we do break out the menorahs. We do have you know our traditional dishes. My aunt um, would sit with the prayer, and we didn't like when I was younger. I remember doing the whole thing, you know going to temple, mm-hmm. sitting, having like the hours and hours and hours <laughs> with family to do prayer and playing with dreidels and all, all the all the things. Nowadays, it's like, oh, we have more to do our prayer, we do ceremony. It's very simple. Latkes, we have, we cook the foods um, and we give each other little gifts. Um, but other than that, Bad Jews. I'm a bad Jew. <laughs> we'll I hate see. that you say I that. Think, uh... <laughs> I really hate that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be honest. <laughs> to be real. Yes. Um, but other than that, my week has been phenomenal. Uh, one of my partners flew out to see me. So that's yeah. been really great. He's been here. Right? And we've been on, yeah, I know. Spice, so spice. So we've been getting love done. 
and that's been really beautiful. My week is excellent. That sounds delightful. Sounds absolutely delightful. I'm glad that you're having a good time. I'm glad things are, things are evolving. They're turning yes. into the butterfly that you deserve to be. Exactly. <laughs> Even though I don't know if butterflies are a spirit animal. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> all the animals. <laughs> really? On the day. <laughs> How's your week, Pars? Um, great. Uh, it has been a week. I feel like I've been, well, most people have paid attention last week. I was changing jobs and I'm still kind of wrapping up. Um, and I was mentioning, you know, how weird it is being in that space sometimes when you're like transitioning and you're trying to do the, the great thing by your organization without being exploited in this moment. Because no matter what, you always get exploited. If that, that last two weeks is just it's always bad for the employee who's transitioning um because mm-hmm. you just wind up getting stuck doing everything you really shouldn't be doing before you depart you know before you make your departure can you do this do this do this it's like there's some things what's most important out of that list pick the three and let's go because the rest yeah. of it is just you're checked out and you should be um so yeah that being said that's been my week and then trying to uh you know, trying to settle into, it was Giving Tuesday, so and it's end of year giving. So this is like the big time for, for me. My organization got picked to be one of the Nicholas Kristoff Holiday Impact Prize winners, which essentially means they, um, and Nicholas Kristoff is like a New York Times journalist. He picks three charities a year to spotlight in his, in his column. And those charities typically get like three to five million dollars a day based on donations this year he moved the column to washington post yeah day day god dang like can you imagine like it's a you know it really amplifies your it's like an amplification effort for your end of year giving um and so we you know we're we're tallying what that will look like but it's just uh it's so exciting to be a part of it like in my final couple of weeks to put that as a feather in my cap to be like and you know this amplification effort will make this the most successful giving you know end of year ever so i'm like and sayonara but with some money right <laughs> shook some trees for you <laughs> oh, you're gonna miss me when i'm gone baby yeah <laughs> when i'm gone you're gonna miss me when i'm gone yeah <laughs> And how about you? Because I know you had a, a music week this week too. Oh yeah, sometimes so we actually, always busy. I know. So today, actually, let's look work backwards. Today, I have a recording session for a project that I'm not sure if uh, the band is really willing to release what it is. Um, but there's a band project underway. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing the recording session today. Um, so it's going to be good. I can't wait. It feels really refreshing to, to be in a recording studio with a big band again. Um, can't really replace that feeling and it's also a very unique feeling. Um, so I'm lucky to have that privilege essentially. So it's, it's cool. Um, but yeah, getting together with Seven Street's always great. Like I really appreciate the people that are in it um also that it always just kind of feels like a huge family hang um so i'm just you know i'm just excited to get to see everybody again and and this kind of honestly i'm now becoming older i've become more of an introvert so it's like this checks off 
the social side of the month, I I don't gotta do anything else. Um, which has been something that I've been kind of like going through a lot and something I posted on Instagram or on Twitter and then I also reposted on Instagram was something along the lines of like 2022 is gonna be a continued journey of taking great care of myself meaning that the priority is me like I feel like in my 20s I was always out there socializing and all that stuff and I'm getting mentally prepared that no matter what I do, it's for me and for me first, not for somebody else. Like I'm not going to sit at parties to be uncomfortable because it's for somebody else's uh, expectations. I don't want to be part of a group of people who make me feel bad or invoke toxicity out of me. Um, What I'm very grateful about Kylie is that at the beginning of the year, like she would just give me all these insights after I'm just like, ranty tyronic like the ranty saurus person and then she's like everything's gonna be fine and then sometimes when she would say that there's actually a fire behind her so (laughs) so she inspires fine yeah so she inspires me more positive but yeah like with that being said that takes me to being less social and more in my body um and that i think is important so when i joke around and say with seventh street like this checks off my social thing for the month like i really mean that because i feel like i'm gonna see everybody it's gonna be good and then that's all i need like i I take it as an appetizer now so it's that's how i kind of feel about it um but yeah that's how my week is going but other than that i've been actually revisiting a lot of an old game may may or may not have heard of it something sounds like crash bandicoot (laughs) oh yeah Um, I discovered that it's actually really hard to play um, uh-huh. because it's kind of like a scroll game where like you're you're running and then you have to hop over enemies and stuff. And the mechanics to, to jump over certain enemies is actually really hard to time. And so I've been a little preoccupied. I'm like, oh, this is actually a challenge. And I'm also being a completionist with God of War 3. So I'm revisiting God of War 3 to get prepped and geared for Ragnarok. So that's nice. how my week's been going. Very nice. Ding, ding, ding. We did it, guys. Let's go. <laughs> muy, so, muy excelente. Yeah, muy, muy excelente. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's weird because, like, I'm not really feeling festive this year. How's your guys's? I mean, aside from Kylie, Miss Miss Hanukkah Queen, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying my best to feel festive, but I really appreciate that you guys are trying to keep the festive spirit. Like, I saw your picture of your teal Christmas cars. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm enjoying. I feel like I'm feeling- I was like, oh, I gotta go dig out my Christmas trees now. Look, look at you setting standards. Goals. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I I felt like I was really to, to your point, Lee, about like it's just been a really tough year and there's so much loss, and I've felt like I've been in a constant state of grief and and kind of you know just that dealing with something. I mean, and the pandemic added on to that has you know, brought a lot of these things out, but I'm just like, eh, I needed to take some time and like make myself kind of feel better. And so for me, holiday decorating, I learned it's not, it's it's sort of the, the practice of decorating. It one takes my mind off things and it allows me to, you know, kind of put it into crafts. And I like, I just, I've been enjoying that. So I'm like more than like, you know, having it be like a you know yuletide carol in my home it's like just the idea of 
keeping, you know, the spirit of the, the feeling going. And I feel like that has been like, that has really helped me recover from those moments of just constant, I don't know, grief and, and, and condolences, it feels like every week. So yeah. Yeah, yeah yes. I feel that for sure. Uh, oh, I've been definitely seeing that in the neighborhood even like when you decorate that it's not just uplifting for you but it's like uplifting for the people that just even drive by and just like encounter that like little bright sparkly bubble I'm seeing people putting up their lights now like candy cane lane is open and like if you if you're not local I'm sure everybody has like their own version of candy cane lane but there's like one neighborhood out here that just goes all out and there's like a little park and like they decorate and it's always like the place to go it's kind of like trick-or-treating but for christmas um every house has like a different theme and it's there's music and you can drive through or you can walk through um but it's just like really beautiful one of those moments where it's it's dark and it's cold but there's still some warmth inside and it comes from within us I think that's something that is like deeply needed in this season generally, but also just like right now in this season, because winter, winter is coming, winter is here. Winter is here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so speaking of nothing, no, I'm just joking. (laughs) Speaking of, (laughs) speaking of things and going along with what we're going to talk about, we are actually going to kind of dive into the world of talking about double standards. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to change up the formula a little bit with here at Lady Blurts for those who are listening. Uh, we used to kind of list down certain events that would happen and that would inspire us to talk about the bigger picture. And so we're kind of going to do like a record scratch and flip it, meaning that we're going to talk about a bigger theme. Um, And so we want to kind of jog on double standards and what it's like to live in a world where double standards work against, you know, women, uh, typically women, um, and kind of go into that. And so if you're listening to this and it invokes some sort of feeling, uh, please do let us know in the comment section on YouTube or whatever service that you're listening to this. So because we're curious, because it's something that we noticed that... (laughs) It's very bothersome. Uh, so, Paris, do you mind if you dive into that a little bit? Um, sure. I think um, putting a little bit of framing on on my side, I feel like double standards are are present in all of society because you know it's hard to um, it's hard for people to kind of apply parity and um, without taking a lot of the different. I could think stereotypes around all the different categorization of people. So people have to stratify things. I think it makes it, sometimes it's an inherent need to stratify things. So I know how to treat them, right? So it's sort of like double standards become a way of reinforcing that. It creates the gender roles. It creates, you know, ethnicity sort of stratification where you're supposed to do this, not that. Um, And so you know, granted, like you're that. supposed to do this, not that, but they're allowed to do that, but this. Exactly. <laughs> right. It, it's putting that, reinforcing that there are, you know, it, it creates, reinforces injustices and discrimination and prejudgment and all of the things that we're trying to, as a, as a, as humanity, 
we have the foresight to get past is weird that we still, you know, I do it too. There are certain things that, you know, why for parents and not children, why, you know, we say, oh, because you can't do that because you're a child. But if you're able to do it, then I should be. If it's unhealthy for you to have a soda, I should not have a soda. So the it, soda you know, is we, spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like we, you know, there's there's all kinds of things that exist. And we, yeah, those, those stratifying our, our lives, I think we, we do it and just it's natural. We have to work extra hard to not to not do it. Yeah. Kylie, what are you thinking? I have a brother, 10 years older than me, mm-hmm. right? So I got to see um, all of the behaviors that were acceptable from him and that were accepted by my family um, and that were, I mean, just little things, just like being able to go out um, and stay out late at certain times or um, be in certain spaces, you know, he's a musician. And so he's, you know, he's been a musician since high school and, you know, it was Hawaii and playing in bars and restaurants and things and mm-hmm. playing at bonfires and whatnot. And even though I do recognize like, yes, there was an age difference, but at a certain point in time, I started wanting to go out and do all of these things because this is what I saw. This is how I saw this type of socialization. Yeah. Um, and so I started maneuvering in those spaces and I was getting the backlash of, you can't do that because you're a girl. Uh, you can't stay out that late, it's inappropriate. Um, you can't um, go to this place. You can't be at that bonfire. You know what I mean? Like you're, it's unacceptable for you to be partying and drinking um, or, you know, really just even having sex, but, you know, the conversations around sex and dating were very different for myself than they were for my brother. Yeah. Um, the expectations um, that we place on women for marriage, if you're coming from a more traditional family. Um, so, so there's like so many different things for double standards, even uh, with like self-care and appearance, right? Um my brother was like fully acceptable for him to just like roll out of bed, <laughs> roll out of bed and go. Right. Um, if I roll out of bed and go, I'm definitely all, all the aunties, all the aunties, all the grandparents, everybody would be like, why no. don't you your hair? I mean, trust, you- don't get me wrong. If your brother's looking ashy, aunties will say something about it too. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you don't be looking ashy, but you know, you just. <laughs> You just be rolling up and going and, and the quality is low looking low. comfortable. I'm like, can I just be comfortable and still be respected? You know what I mean? Just weird yeah. shit. Yeah. Just little things like that. Or um Yeah, like, where- you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, you know, little boys can roll out of bed without a shirt. They can wear their boxers around the house, not be bothered about it. But then once a girl walks around in just like, you know, her underwear, her which is designed, which is designed to not, be shorter. And then like, if she's wearing a long shirt, it's like, put some pants on, you don't yeah. walk around disrespecting the house like that. It's like, something's up. <laughs> Something seems a little off here. How come my brother can, can walk around here without a shirt, but I can't walk around with a bra and shorts or vice versa, a long tee and my, just my undies and then be shamed for it. A little weird. Yeah. Yeah. So across the board. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's just, I think it's something that we need to be more mindful and aware about, like also with, with these double standards imply that, how do I put this? Like 
an awkward sexualization or over-sexualization or just reinforcing the control of women. Um, Especially for diving in this side of it. We'll talk about being Black and double standards of being Black in a second. But like, just this double standards with being a woman is like the the weird patriarchal urge to just control her sexuality, to control every move that she makes, to control her uterus. Like these things stem from like, you know, we get a lot of this stuff in the household, but also it articulates in the real life practice of the outside world. Um, So like, you know, we're dealing with an abortion fight right now Mm -hmm. and women are fighting for the control of like, we need an abortion. And like, men are like, you're just trying to kill a baby. Like, no, you don't understand. There's other underlying health issues that, that won't let me have a successful delivery or, Hey, I'm not in a good fiscal place to have this child. It's probably better that they don't live in a low-income lifestyle where I have to be working paycheck to paycheck, living out of, of out of a car, or hey, maybe I'm in a domestic violent situation where the parents are incapable of taking care of a child properly, which trickles into later the system working against those parents where there's CPS being called on them, or like maybe they won't be able to get food stamps because of the situation that they're in or whatever the case may be. It's like, there's other things that, um, that with the double standards, like you think like, oh, it's just petty and trivial, but really it's more than that because there's people who are creating laws and passing bills that are stemming from these double standards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something that I've, I've noticed. And it's just been like, I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like the, it's, it is systemic and in order to make the change, it has to be adopted systemically, which isn't going to happen easily and quickly. It's going to take decades and decades and quite possibly half a century, as we know, other systemic issues that we have long thought were resolved are coming back to rear its head. So it's, um, you know, policy is the only way to change things when it comes to systemic things. You have to, it has to be backed by lawmakers and our lawmakers are much more following, you know, derisive stuff than they are trying to, you know, right the, the, the wrongs or trying to vet revised mandates about everything, um, including race, culture, and gender, and and just identity in general. I mean, you know, they're, they're our world, as much as we are evolving, without the, without the lawmakers kind of adding this decorum aspect around it, which I think is so, right, anti- antithetical, whatever, to this country, because nothing about it is decorum. It is take what is yours and, um, take what is theirs and make it yours. And that is the premise of the entire country. But in the way that we have to follow these rules that disenfranchise, you know, our everything that we hone um, as people, you know, especially as people of color, especially as uh, marginalized communities, as oppressed communities, it's really like colonization uh, law. But then the rule is like not, you know what I mean? It's not, doesn't benefit those except the colonizers. So it's really hard to fight against that um, without some kind of backup for legislation. So I always like say, put the money where the mouth is. Like we have to, 
we have to get out there, but then we have to get into the lawmaking side and make those changes. Um, it's interesting while you were talking about decorum, um, just because we do talk so much about what it's like navigating workspaces mm -hmm. um, as women. And for me there, I see so many double standards in yeah. standards of communication, mm -hmm. in standards for dress. Yeah. Um, specifically, I was just thinking about I, I had had a conversation with a coworker um, who always came to work um, full face makeup, mm -hmm. um, you know, suit, jacket, skirt, heels. And this at the time was at a campus where there was a lot of walking, there's a lot of stairs, there's like, it wasn't necessarily like a typical just like office position, right? And yeah. I'm just like, I come to work because I'm just like, I'm ready to hit all these stairs, yeah. <laughs> walk all these places, do all of these things. And I'm wearing, you know, just my tennis shoes or my sneakers and still dressed, you know, professionally, um, but comfortably, right? And um, I had this conversation with her of, because I'm seeing her be uncomfortable. I'm seeing her talk about her feet hurt. Um, and I'm just like, why are you killing yourself in this way? And she, she was a little older than me. Um, and she was talking about how she had experienced firsthand what it was like for her maneuvering in a workspace, not coming to work with a full face of makeup and not getting those promotions and not being heard in meetings. And as soon as she started dressing this way and looking this part, um, mostly male coworkers started paying more attention to her in meetings and giving her the floor to speak. Um, and now they're talking to her and now her ideas um, are more valid because she's visually appealing. So they have something to look at while she talks. Right. That's the weird sense of here, here's a take and please play like tinker on this. Why does a woman have to appear sexy to have the floor in the workplace? Mm -hmm. Or why does a woman have to look polished to have the floor in the workplace. Like if I wear makeup at, at a meeting because it draws more attention to me versus yeah. if I'm not wearing makeup, which draws less attention to me, why does that have to be an internalized or even like a weird, not even internalized, it can be even just direct. Why does that have to be a, a feature for me to be taken serious where the words that are coming out of my mouth won't will be the same regardless if that makeup is on or not or not or if the heels are on or not if i'm wearing leggings because i'm walking those stairs walking around the lap around campus so that way i can get a walk-in because we all know how sitting in chairs all day can impact our health right why do we have to look a certain type of way to draw the attention and to draw the gaze like that's something that really drives me insane because like a guy can like walk into an office looking like a mess, not have his beard combed, smelling all types of way, being like, oh, I went to the gym this morning. And, or like, <laughs> and being like, I work out, I'm a hardworking guy, so I should have the attention, you know? And it's like, yeah, your smell has the attention, but I don't think that's professional because I have to set myself to a higher standard to meet your expectation, which is flawed. Like, 
that's a um, I think also <laughs> doing all the Zoom meetings and all not necessarily even having like your mm. camera on. Yeah. Um, and being able, I'm like, we're getting things done, but look at how different the dynamics are when we're all just like a bubble. Yeah. And seeing whose ideas are actually being heard now um, and who is actually being like given space now that we're not all <laughs> in each other's faces. Yeah. Um, but also just even looking at um, like dress codes. Like I, I, there's a certain point there where the dress code for my office literally only applied to women. There was nothing in that dress code that applied to men. Ooh. Oh, I have complaints about that too. I remember I was told that my leggings were unprofessional, even though they had a bunch of flowers on it. I wore nice shoes with them and I wore like a nice top to kind of cover any like revealing midriff with my crotch. <laughs> Yeah. And they were like, your leggings aren't professional. I'm like, homie is wearing, homie is wearing Nike sweatpants. Are you going to call him on it? Are you going to call him out on his Nike sweatpants? Because I, from my understanding, I thought if leggings are comfort wear, so are sweatpants. So, so why aren't we calling him out? Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong. Like I understand um, there are certain spaces where it's like the expectation is you know suit and tie like we're gonna have this meeting it's I don't know board meetings higher ups whatever it is if you're gonna if you're working in a more corporate environment if you're working with if you're being the face of your company and you're actively meeting and trying to set up contracts with other people like yes appearance is important um but again as long as you are clean right exactly you show up to work looking like you are ready to work you aren't showing up at work in your club wear you aren't showing up to work um in your pajamas you aren't showing up to work looking like you just came off the street running errands you if you are showing up looking like you're ready to work then i don't think that the standard should be are you showing up looking attractive and sexy and ready to work (laughs) like I don't need to be sexy to work yeah Um, and so I think it's like go 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 ahead ahead. oh no please please promise go ahead no I would just to continue that there's you're in those spaces so I I grew up in um a church that is you know sort of very well known here in DC it's in the heart of DC it's in um, you know, near the White House, it's got a long-standing history. It was where you know Frederick Douglass was a member. So there's a there's a level of polish and decorum that comes with attending the church. My grandmother's mother went to the church, so it's we've had a family history in the church. But there's also the decorum and polish of your clothing in the church. And so I remember one time I wore, you know, I was part of the missionary group, and we wore, uh, which is like a service organization in the church. Um, not missionary in the, the traditional sense, but you know, I wore uh, white pants. We were supposed to wear all white. And I remember this woman came up and she pinched me, physically pinched me and whispered to me, don't you ever wear pants again. And I remember right the, you know, I was probably about like 20 years old. You know, it was just like at that age where I'm trying to give back and I'm trying, there wasn't enough young women in the church and leadership positions you know, here it is, I'm trying to, you know, be a face for that, an ambassador for that. And like, I'm pinched. And it just shook me to my core. It was just like, 
Um, I didn't know what to feel. I felt embarrassed in that moment. I felt, you know, like I was being inappropriate and it was like, this is not sacrilege. I'm not, you know, being, trying to not show respect in a sacred place. And, but it was like, and my grandmother was, was, totally on board. My grandmother wouldn't let you wear, you know, jeans. She called jeans dungarees. She, you know, when, when you wore like certain kinds of, uh, she would call it a leisure suit, which was anything that was not like a suit uh, by the traditional sense. It was like anything that, you know, how you can wear like a cotton based or like Jersey knit. That was a leisure suit to her. So it was just like, who dares wear a leisure suit? And hearing those conversations after church, hearing my grandmother and her friends, like talk about somebody that wore like a cocktail she wore a cocktail dress to church hearing that inherently made me very like overtly conservative to the point where you know for a long time in my life that was just you know wearing a a wearing pants was like not a thing I just never wore them to work so people thought yeah. I would go out of the way right and it was like no it's just the notion of like I have been physically hurt by, by wearing pants so I there's a level in my head that is negative reinforcement I better never wear pants ever Cause that's, that's, that's showing no pride in yourself, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, to stem on that, first of all, I, hmm, reason why I don't like to go to church anymore is because the over familiarity of that, of those types of communities make me mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Like, yeah, sorry for whoever's listening and you're a devout Christian. That's just how it is. Like, I don't like the over familiarity. You do not know me. You don't know who I am. And also do not take me to your house to try to give me your secondhanded stuff. So I look like, like I'm from like 1960, whatever, because I'm trying to keep it proper. Like, no, <laughs> like, that's the thing I, yeah. that's the thing I do not miss about church. Um, third of all, or second of all, um, I can understand to be on the flip side, I'm going to hop over to the other side. I can understand the defensiveness from like elders who are just like, don't do that because back in their day, like the punishment that they received for stepping out of their expectations because of yeah. patriarchal standards, um, yeah. whether they got hit. Um, I know that there's a lot more um, openness to domestic, domestic violence between partners or even like just people in general. Um, and so like, there's a fear where it's if they see the younger generation do it, that we're going to be subjected to that same violence, which luckily we live in a world where things are more surveillance, whether people like it or not, whether the law say it's right or not, that once you're caught, you're caught. And then you, that person goes to jail or that person gets punished accordingly. Um, whether if they go to jail or society is like, mm, I'm not fucking with this person anymore. <laughs> so, there's, there's a side of that too. Um, but yeah, like I, I remember the, like what you just experienced Paris, like being mm -hmm. in church. And like one time I, one time I was at church and like, I wore the wrong stockings and I heard like one of the elders say something about it, but this also articulated into music school where I wore a dress that was too short and I wore the dress that was too short because hey, I didn't have any other dresses. I, my laundry was piling up and I didn't have money to do laundry because I'm in college and I'm broke as a joke. And, um, and when I wore the dress, when I was standing up, it seemed like an appropriate length, but I also forgot that I have a huge ass. So when I sat booty. down, the dress skirted up and I had a performance that day. And I'm like, this is what I'm working with. So this is what I got to work with. I remember yeah. professors being in the audience making comments 
about my dress. And luckily I had ears through the grapevine saying like, sending me text messages of like, ooh, that professor didn't like what you were wearing. They were talking all that shit in the audience. And then when I went to go confront those professors, they ran off <laughs> because of they didn't want to be accountable for the way yeah. that they were judging my poor ass who didn't have resources. If you are a professor or somebody who was like, mm, I didn't like what she was wearing. Don't assume that I was sitting there trying to be like a floozy. I had nothing else to wear because I was poor. So the double standard is that you just assume because I'm a woman on stage where the intention's already on me as, as it is that whatever I was wearing was supposed was subjected to slut shaming. So like that was something that I did not appreciate and hate it. And I hate, I, I don't like those people to this day and I do not talk to them. These are the same people who said, like, you have a future in teaching, and here I am not teaching, and I'm over here like Michael Jordan, fuck them kids. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you are teaching. You're, this platform is at. Anytime we... <laughs> like anytime we're getting yeah. together and having conversations, these are teachable moments, right? Yeah. Um, but you I, don't get said, me wrong, for those on the podcast, I do love kids. Kids, yes. I think, are great. I think kids are in their best when they're, I think kids thrive the most when they're in their most creative mindsets and they're away from people who are restricting them. That's just me. Um, but yeah, I, I dipped my toes into teaching for a long time and I, that's not a long lasting career for me. And it's because it's people who influence those kids and keep them restricted. And that's what made me fall in love out of that. Um, anyway, sorry, go on. Well, you said um, an interesting phrase, which is slut shaming. Mm -hmm. um, and so <laughs> If we're going to talk double standards, um, slut, just the word alone, what there it is. The image, yeah. do a Google search, y'all. People um, who call women right. hoes, saying like that girl being a hoe. And I'm like, uh, nigga, do you see yourself? <laughs> exactly. Do you see yourself? Because I need you to just take a mirror and put it all over your body. How many times have you misbehaved in the DMs because you yeah. saw a girl was hot? with a hottie little hottie body misbehaved in the dms raise your hand if you misbehaved in dms you know what i normally curse people out in dms i don't misbehave because i got no time i really got no time i actually needed a guy on this podcast to be like yes but i can't tell you how many men in nerdcore have just dm'd me or or how many men have called me? Don't even DM, just straight hop to the to the call where listen, guys. Yeah. I'm on the prowl list. <laughs> trying to meet the sky god. Excuse me, excuse me. You are not allowed to call me, sir. I don't know you. And uh <laughs> well, that is wild. That is wild. I, I don't really be misbehaving in DMs like that. Like no. Um <laughs> You need a Bobby Hill sound snippet saying, I don't know you. I don't know you. <laughs> Let go of my purse. <laughs> Girl, I hear you. I absolutely hear you. But yeah, like, so slut shaming is is a double standard all in itself because it's targeted towards women. It's targeted towards heavily feminine presenting women. And what I mean by that is those who tap into their feminine side with wearing like feminine clothing based off of society mm -hmm. standards and the makeup and feminine like hair, um, touching into the feminine side. That's also something that's also targeted towards uh, women there. 
Um, because there's a lot of women who like to dress masculine too, but I feel like the masculinity, there's also a double standard with that, with that we can talk about in a second, but like anytime that you're presented heavily feminine or like, you know, you're just trying to like feel good. Like there is a slut shaming aspect or women who just appreciate sex, which I appreciate sex. (laughs) Yeah. We all appreciate sex here and, and men appreciate sex too, but it's just like, why is it that we're the ones that get, you know? Listen, now what I will say, I I will say this. I grew up in a home where talking about sex. Now, my grandparents' home, it was an open conversation. Men, women, my uncles, my aunt, my aunts, like my grandfather took me to the bar with him. And I hung out with my grandfather talking about sex. And it was just growing up in that space you know, people assume it, right? It's like being around cursing all the time. Like I didn't do it because I was more educated about cursing and the need to do it was like, I I don't need, I've done it. It isn't cool to do it unless I need to do it. And so the same thing with sex, it was like, I grew up educated. I learned how to put a like condom on a banana when I was nine. Like it's not a big deal to me in that, in that way as a youth growing up, because it was, I was, around it and there was conversations and those conversations varied from you know the most vulgar and inappropriate to you know those really more informed educated conversations about sexual transmitted disease and all those kinds of things and there was jokes and inappropriateness and all of the things and I feel like because of that right my uncles and to this day talk about it with my (laughs) with like my mom I'll hear my mom my uncle talking about it on the phone I'm like that is so unique. I hadn't realized growing up, you know, that that is a really different experience because not everybody is still, you know, is, is reared in that way where it's some closeted detail. And uh, yeah, all I can say is that the more that people like find ways to not apply that double standard, that it truly does work. You know what I mean? Like it's um, oftentimes it's my dad, as much as I will say to my son, like, don't come to the table without clothes on. My my father will be like, don't even come to the table with your hair unbrushed or you know your teeth unbrushed. And you know what I mean? It's sort of, <laughs> there's a level around just like don't be trifling is what my father would say. Right? It's not about woman, man, clothes, what whatever you want to wear. Be be take some pride in the way you put your your stuff together. Make sure you're fully clothed and that you you look like you're ready to present yourself to the public in a way that you want to be seen. And I think that goes across the board. It's like, I don't care what, you know, what you, what you believe at that point, it's like, what do you want people to see you as? And, you know, how do you want to be viewed? And that's where it's like, you should be able to be comfortable. If I want to wear my, you know, hair and braids, if I want to wear, you know, V-neck, if I want to expose my, you know, if Lizzo, I think she carries that behavior. It's like, look, this is how I want to be presented. I'm going to be respected. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say that presentation should be an artistic choice. Yes. Um, Like presentation should be a personalized artistic choice, not something that is restricted based off of expectation. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Cause like, that's how I feel too. It's like, yeah, I want to be presented the way that I want people to perceive me, but I want to be perceived like I'm art. Like I'm like, you know, something to not be overly gazed at, but just being like, this is a self-expression. This isn't a, this isn't me trying to fit into a jigsaw piece that you're forcing me into. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I just, that's something that I just want to make sure that like, 
I, I come to the understanding, like even if I'm in a formal setting that I'm presenting myself formally in the way that I want to be presented formally, if mm-hmm. I'm even at a, um, if I'm at a party setting, I'm presenting myself in a way that I want to be, that I'm, that the, that the standards and the, that, that the criteria is for me, not exactly. for somebody else. Yes. Um, and so that's what I, I try to like vouch for. Cause like trust, like if you're going to, if you're going to an event and there is like a sense of like dress code, because it's based off of like, based off of, because of the type of event, that's fine. But I should be allowed to dress by the guidelines of that dress code without making it feel like I'm restricted, like work. If it's a wedding and it's like dress code is this, I will do the dress code, but I will do the dress code per my artistic vision, not their artistic version. Um, So it's just like, kind of like one of those weird things where it's like, what's the balance? You know, we don't want to subject ourselves to conformity because of what society would deem as inappropriate, but we want to make sure that we still have our, our own leverage on it uh, without being inappropriate. So it's, it's a weird thing. And I think this is also where it kind of taps into language a little bit where presentation is language. Exactly. Yeah. And how you interpret, how you want to be interpreted. Cause you know, being seen is a thing like, and your, your clothing, your hair, your style is all like artifacts of being seen. And so I'm like, well, look, I, maybe I want to be seen in the way that I am sexy and powerful and the, whatever that might be, or I'm empowered to do whatever my choices, like you said, just being able to do that. As long as for me, my thing is like, show being true to yourself at some point to say what's comfortable for me because it may not just to assume that it's comfortable for every woman to show off their assets is not you know that's not you know i'm feeling a little cleavage today maybe i'm feeling a little like snuggled up today (laughs) yeah the choice to choose yeah it's like give me the right to let me make those those choices just be Kylie. What's your what's your face saying? Don't hurt yourself in the process, and you know, do something like get you know, if you're yeah, piercings and stuff like get piercings, get tattoos, but be hygienic with it. That's my thing. Don't go to the guy in the corner. Just be that, clean. Just be clean. I feel like that is the only parameter that I kind of like. Their safety in mind. Get get your piercings, but then make sure that yeah, you don't you know go to. Dominican Republic to do it and you're in some back lab getting your BBL please Mm, okay let's talk about BBLs just for two seconds (laughs) don't do it ladies like it's have you guys seen the healing process yeah look up videos of the healing process also look up like places where they're certified to do it and if the person if the surgeon straight up like I can't do that don't go to that surgeon or pressure them to do it just don't do it yeah like uh and i also heard it's very dangerous it's very very dangerous it's one of the most uh difficult healing um one of the most difficult tissues to heal apparently so yeah that's why it's you're more susceptible to clotting and you know keloiding and all the things right so it's like for me that is enough to say yeah don't you know but if but if you are please research and be safe because even a tongue piercing can send you down the same pathway. But oh yeah, it's yeah. it's about keep staying hygienic, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, um, I took us all the BBLs, <laughs> the the modifications. I feel like 
are definitely a result of a lot of these double standards. Um, and also, I think there's even double standards amongst women, depending on what age group you're in, mm -hmm. um, on what is acceptable for you, depending on um, how you're even classified as a woman. Oh, I've yeah. generally um, just lately been hearing a lot more conversations around what is like wife material, what is, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I know, women who are just for a good time versus, like, being worthy of, like, being lifelong partners and what that physically looks like. Uh. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Um, I mean, we all can say that we don't like that. Um, I don't like that. <laughs> No, actually, what's funny is Cash and I kind of had a conversation about this last night where, like, we laugh at people who go out of their way to morph their personality persona to fit something that is expected of their wifely duties. And we're like, that's gross and that's sick. And, like, we laugh and make jokes about it because you know how me and Cash are. But, like, I like it's it's a reminder in the conversation that i like he's not expecting that from me and then vice versa i'm like i'm not going to turn myself around to be your wifey wifey wife person like i'm not going to be sitting there with like a bow in my head and like the little cute pinup dress being like dinner's ready you know like, i mean you might for one night of fun i mean that's not okay listen i don't know that's not so bad <laughs> <laughs> hey, <John. laughs> um but yeah like we um but yeah like i also yeah like what the expectation is to be a woman and it's like like we talk about being black is not just one like what prior says a monolithic thing so being a woman is not just one thing or being a partner is not just yeah. the expectation of one overarching type like yeah no i i agree and like the double standard is like you know if a woman finds a persona that's outside of that like she's considered too loose or too not wifey enough or just like what you said kylie just for a good time and then i'm gonna dump her your yeah. good time and not communicate that that's what the intention is like also like we need to talk like you know talking about like not communicating your intentions right and then like shaming her through social media through a type of person through your social media saying i want this type of person and then the rest of them are like this like like there is a sense of enableism where it's like if you see that on social media then the more people are like well if that's the type that we want then that's the type i have to conform to and i'm over here like, don't do it don't do it i will use the voice well um, okay me, that was dumb i watched dune recently use the voice. of a respect <laughs> issue right or uh even a value issue because i i feel like if i We'll take just because celebrity is, is more um, accessible in this regard, right? If you are talented, I mean, you, you have everything that you need. But what is expected now is that you're going to have a certain shape 
you're going to have the large breasts, you're going to have the fat ass, you're going to have this sexy image, right? Mm -hmm. That really doesn't necessarily equate to the quality of your art. Um, but it is what is now expected and required for you to sell your art. Um, and I think that's where we get into tricky spaces because if you're an artist and this is what you're promoting and then young people see this and they're not artists, they're not the expectations of what is required <laughs> um, for them to move through life or to get partners or to be happy. Um, now you're just seeing a lot of like body dysmorphia. You're just seeing a lot of people who are just like, well, I want to look like this person. This is what success looks like. Um, and not realizing that the person who's making those choices is A, making those choices definitely because it's lucrative for themselves, but also probably because they're facing an immense amount of pressure to build a brand and to build an image and to build a business that is lucrative and supporting multiple peoples, hundreds and hundreds, possibly even thousands. Right. And so for them, that personal sacrifice, because it is, you know, it's, it's a, a modification and some of those modifications, um, as we've seen from stars and celebrities later, they get them reversed. You know, they could take, remove their breasts or, or um, allow their bodies to go back to their natural shapes if they can. Um, some of them are not reversible, but it is now a character that you become okay. and less of a um, real, I won't say real, less of an authentic human being, right? Yep. And we are all able and to present ourselves how we want to create these images, but we do have to be mindful of the images that we are creating and the damage that those images can inflict on people psychologically who... Um, you know, may or may not have had the same time and therapy to process the images that are being put out. And if you're a whole generation that's being brought up on Nicki Minaj culture, right? Now, if young boys are expecting this naturally, and that's the thing that gets to people, then like these things occur very rarely naturally oh, that you'll no, see wear a nike shoe you know, you know what i mean like um <laughs> yeah we're honestly we're, we're collectible item we're collectible items and, so and it even goes even further than that when you're talking about um just you know waxing and um just shapewear you know oh, people literally did. changing mm. the shape of their bodies to conform to what is a beauty standard that is temporary really you know yeah. your bodies are going to last longer than this fad i promise you um and so i think that we do need to have more open conversations i think celebrities need to be held a little more accountable for the body modifications that they undergo yeah um, and being honest about it and i think that's probably one of the largest um issues that i have with people like the kardashians um because everything they do is lucrative money moves um, but they are literally profiting off of the insecurities of younger people um, and it's dangerous. And so a lot of these double standards, yeah, we talk about them. Sometimes it's a minor annoyance, but sometimes it is something that is serious, something that is deadly, something that may cause a young person to take their life. 
because they don't feel valued in the body that they have. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's where I think the, the root and core of this conversation really is. It's like people are deeply hurt and hurting um, over these standards and not feeling like they can be valued, heard, um, seen, and loved as themselves. Yep. That's it. All right. Well, moving along. Uh, All right, good wrap up. Yeah. Good wrap up. No, great. Uh, so you mentioned going back to the partner thing, um, nerdy and dirty. What, what nerdy are we got today, Kylie? <laughs> Speaking of love. Um, and it's the holiday season. It is the season of giving. Um, wanting to talk about gift giving in relationships. Um, maybe even some sexy gifts that we receive. What are your thoughts on receiving sexy gifts? Do you feel like they are gifts that are truly for you or are they gifts that are more partner gifts? Like, oh, this is a gift for us. How do we feel? Um, I think I've never thought of it as being, until, until I saw an article a couple of years ago, honestly, I did not see any issue with lingerie as a gift because I considered it, yeah, it was a gift for us. Um, but, but then that if your partner gives it to you, a gift for us seems kind of, uh, very nearsighted a little bit. Like I'm giving you a gift that is for us to use, um, not you know, doesn't I don't know if that really makes me feel like this was something selected especially for me, but I do feel like it's you know it's nice to have as a gift, um, but not from my partner maybe, um, but that's just you know my significant other giving me that I might feel like, so this this has you know it's an intimate gift, so it is something that I don't feel like you know, a friend or a partner would give you, but, you know, I feel like it's, it's not something that a stranger could also give you, right? Like, it's not something that like somebody you just met would probably give you an intimate um, gift, but that's on me. I'm like, I think that is also probably, like I said, until I saw the article that kind of conditioned me to be like, you should not accept lingerie as a gift from your partner, because that is not a gift for you then it's exclusively. Well, thoughts. V, <laughs> look at the face. She's like, is the long tee? Um, laundry is itchy. Come on. <laughs> uh, let, let me air this out real quick. Let me air this out. Uh, not the Savage brand. It's not Savage X Fenty. She said not Savage X Fenty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. Um, mm. I'm very I'm very like weird about gift giving so um and receiving Mm -hmm. gifts I'm actually weirder about receiving gifts because I'm kind of like the child with avocado I'm like "Mm, an avocado thanks (laughs) I it's so with me I yeah laundry is itchy um it really depends really because like also when I feel like if someone gives me a sexy gift it's not really in the interest of me it's in the interest of their perversion um so I think it's like 
I, I think about it like Master Roshi, right? Where you know how Master Roshi thinks about like girls and magazines and like wants girls to wear certain things so he can get off on it. Yeah. I think of it like the same thing where it's like, it's a subject of that person's perversion. And with partners, like, you know, it really depends on the style of the partner. Like, so for example, if I were to, I'm bringing it in cause I just finished the show. If I'm thinking about like Veronica and Kevin from Shameless, like if kevin got something for v like then it's like oh that was cute and that's part of their style of their relationship but yeah. you know it's not artic it it doesn't articulate into every single relationship so like if i got something from from and i i don't want to say cash because cash cash and i are excellent gift giver we're shit lords so like if we give each other a gift it's part of some dumb inside joke that we saw so we're sitting there cracking up over it and like dying of laughter and so like that's us so like if i got him something stupid that's supposed to be sexy he's gonna laugh at it for like a few days and then vice versa so we're really ironic about that um but like you know let's say <laughs> let's say if it was like the other flip side where if he got me something I don't think a I don't like it when people get me clothes because it's always the wrong size B um I don't know if they can understand like how I would feel in that fabric um and C like if I'm gonna get anything if I was gonna buy laundry I would be the one to actually shop for it myself because I would want to feel how it feels on me or like you know have a chance to pre like to kind of feel the the fabric and the textures so i know how it would feel on my body because not all like silk underwear works the same like there was a joke somewhere on tiktok where a girl walks out in like leggings and like she thought she was feeling good and then she's like she stops and it's like some halt music and it's like discharge because I don't know what it is, but certain underwears will, for some reason, absorb more of it than others. And it's like, or will invoke more of it than others. I don't know what it is. Please laugh. You guys can laugh. But like, it's something about like, also how that feels too, where it's like, I feel really exposed and like, I feel more of it than usual. And it's like, I don't know what it is. So I'm not saying discharge, like it's unhealthy. I'm just saying like, that's just what it is. Um, wait, like wait, so this is, this is your image of what lingerie creates, basically. Yeah, yeah. I get all paranoid because I'm like, I don't want to dirty it. I also don't want to put a panty liner on it because, like, I it's not sexy. Like, I get all, like, like weird about it because, like, I don't know what type will, will like, I don't know. I get weird about it. Point blank. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that so this is a good conversation because I feel like I have had all of that in the past. V, I I same same to a certain extent because my image of lingerie was Victoria's Secret or like agent provocateur, like there was no or or Fredericks of Hollywood. There was the three, and that was it. And I feel like it is why it's so important for women of color to have the choices because one, what is sexy to, uh, this is goes back to the double standard a little bit, but like what is sexy in our community is, you know, what to highlight, what to accentuate is not necessarily the same in other communities, right? Like there is a emphasis on protruding behind, but that does not necessarily mean that's culturally, you know, 
a, the same case in every situation. So I feel like there's, it is, it's finding the right um, material, finding the right type of, you know, cause I don't like to your point about itchy, like there's certain fabrics that I just don't even, there's no way I would wear, but there are certain things that I'm like, I really like this. And, and two, on top of that, like, I'm not a foreplay person. So I joke with, you know, with partners that I don't like foreplay. And so my foreplay oftentimes is my lot, like, that's it. So this is your, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> and I'm terrible about it. I listen, I have the same way that V is like, I don't do the lingerie. I'm just like that. I'm like, I don't do foreplay. If you can't, let's go. I also felt like some lingeries, and I'm so sorry, Kylie. I hope we're not shitting on your subject. But like, <laughs> I also don't like lip wedgies, and we all know what lip wedgies feel like. And when it's lip wedgie, lip wedgies with a lace, it's more, it's worse than it is with a regular lip wedgie. Like if you're like driving, and then like you feel it, and you're like, it's it's in there. It's gonna hurt when I pull it out because lip wedgies for some reason are worse than ass wedgies. And I'm just like, I can't do it. But also here's the other thing. Someone's gonna listen to this and I'm like, wait, why are you guys wearing your lingerie all day? Why does it work? I mean, yeah, there's been, you know, I like I said, I just playing with it and learning how to play with it because I feel like it shouldn't be uncomfortable and it should have an element of surprise to it. You know, so it's like, I like hosiery, you know, and not everybody likes hosiery, but I'm like, I like wearing hosiery all the time. And so I like to, you know, my lingerie, sometimes I buy the hosiery that now has the lingerie that's at the top, like the garter style or like thigh highs instead of actually wearing a full set of stockings or, you know, um, so it's like those little things, which is important to me. And I'm like, I like a nice, you know, demi cup or whatever that that is nice that is going to, you know, be, but it has to be the, again, to your point, I don't do a lot of like the, you know, lace stuff because I'm not really into lace. But then that's why I was like, Savage, I know she says, now granted, I have a lot of bones to pick with Rihanna because it's supposed to be for, you know, all women in sizes and all men in sizes and all all in between any of those particular categories and sizes. And I don't feel like it fits the, um, it very much goes into the classic archetype of what lingerie is supposed to be. It focuses on this demure, demure experience and there is a lot of lace. Um, <laughs> there is, but then she also has, you know, lingerie that is a turtleneck and cutouts and, you know, all the different types of, you know, garters and different types of pantyhose, if you'd like, or, you know, it's not all corsets and, and latex. And I think that is like, for me, just the choices of having, and I like the hips and curves brand because it is, you know, sp specifically for plus size women. And um, I think it, you know, I, I typically, a lot of their stuff at one point in time, like aimed at steampunk and it focused on that, but now hips and curves has kind of grown to include a lot of other um, pieces and, you know, what's sexy to you finding your path of sexy is like, is it a robe? Is it, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't always have to be when I think of lingerie, I think people well, these are cute. To, well, hips and curves. Yeah. Yeah. I like their stuff. Cause it's, you know, you can wear a chemise or, you know, they even have the lore stuff. So it's like, depending on where you are, I know people say 
lingerie is cold because you know you're exposed but if i'm wearing some velour kameez i might you know that might be a thing for me um a spanking skirt that might be a thing for me i might want to wear you know a full set and not like have everything exposed you know what some of these outfits i have noticed an uprise in wearing lingerie with regular clothing some of these i would like wear as like a top to like a nice pair of like jeans and like a jean jacket over it and kylie says no wait what was that face Kylie? yeah kylie sorry we kind of diverted to the whole point of like (laughs) gift giving (laughs) (laughs) no uh i just think it's so funny um yes we're so vanilla i'm so sorry (laughs) well maybe i'm more vanilla i don't know (laughs) it's not that i am that you're vanilla or anything. I just think it's um, mm-hmm. it's more like everyone has their own personal preferences, right? Uh, <laughs> with lingerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me though, it is like, I feel like that shouldn't be a main gift. Like it's okay for it to be a gift, but that shouldn't be like the highlight or main gift, if, especially if it's like a holiday thing. Um, maybe more for like Valentine's Day. I totally get that. Um, but also it depends on like are what is what the expectation is. Is this lingerie something that you're only going to be wearing with them? Are you cool to take photos in this lingerie? Um, especially mm-hmm. now if we're talking about like social media, right? Like what is the the intent behind the I gift? My only because a man may give you this lingerie <laughs> with the expectation like you're only going to wear this with me. Right. But if you're someone who um, has an OnlyFans or if you're someone who is a social media influencer and you're taking these photos. Um, See, you're then... asking the wrong crowd, Kylie. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here like I do not have an OnlyFans. Uh, I not not saying that I would never. But I'm saying like I applaud the the folks that do. Cause you guys are doing the thing, <laughs> but I'm not. I've been that trying brave. to get one started for a while now, and I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. I need you, girl. Get yes, <laughs> I really want an OnlyFans and have it be OnlyFans. I want to find all the most exquisite fans. <laughs> yes, not these kind of fans. Not like I don't want a room of a halo ceiling of fans. I want. <laughs> I hate this. I want bladeless fans. I want the kind that. <laughs> and please don't treat me like a SoundCloud rapper. Like I need y'all to get on. And <laughs> not SoundCloud rapper. We going up, Jay. We going up, Jay. <laughs> here's the question do you buy lingerie for your partner if you it for both like what if you both brought bought some lingerie for each other would that would be acceptable to me cash has this like like subscription to this like underwear company and they they send him like really cool stuff like it's like really comfortable like fabric and he's very 
he's very particular about which he which one he's he orders like he doesn't just like go in a store grabs a pack and calls it a day yeah. like no he's like yeah. it has to be this type of texture it has to be yeah. this type of fabric and it yeah. needs to be comfy um and the designs that they send him i'm like wait where's mine I would that would be cute if I get like a boy cut in this like or boy cut for women for this like I want one and he goes you can have this pair I don't like this design I'm like no that's not the point <laughs> why can't we have matching undies <laughs> but again it's not to be sexy it's to be ironic and cute <laughs> hmm. I like that I like the idea of a yeah, gifts are great I just think um that sex is only one aspect of your relationship it's a major aspect right but if you're going to give gifts i think that um a sexy gift should not necessarily be the main gift because the main part of your relationship should be based on sex and i think that's really what it boils down to oh yeah no i agree um those the thing here's my weird thing is i tell a lot of my single friends or my friends who are freshly single like go out there and like <laughs> speaking of double standards but i say it like this i'm like please go out there and hoe around for a little bit like and i say it because it really desensitizes the not desensitize that's not the word i want to look for it really helps you reevaluate the the importance of sex like what does sex mean to you mm-hmm. and what happens is there's a lot of friends who are in like long-term relationships and then they find themselves single that they put this whole like weird, like, like overarching um, importance on sex. Like the one for me will be the one I have sex with. And I'm like, I don't think that's entirely correct Um, because it's more than that. It's how do you guys, if you're in a disagreement, how do you guys handle that? when you guys want to go out somewhere how do you guys handle that decision making process what does it look like when you live together what does it look like when you're just chilling in your in your silent time or your alone time how do you guys react when you when you're just trying to chill and not do anything like in your like you know it how do you act around each other's friends how do your friends feel about this person like there's so many other components that people forget about that there's this whole like sex is the thing that determines the relationship and it does not so whenever i have single friends i'm like go find another partner go fool around with other people do not get connected with that new person like really understand the essence of what it's like to inner like to have sex with different people maybe there's certain things that you don't like what that person does and see what happens when you talk to them about it and then move on to the next thing and or like you know experiment like and and i don't mean experiment in the in compromising with somebody's feelings don't get me wrong like be we're adults communicate but yeah i think it's really important because for me like i have the opposite with a lot of my friends a lot of i i have a lot of friends who are started off in long-term relationships and then now they're like single and they're like shit what do i do and now i'm on the other side where I wasn't granted the relationship because of also going back to double standards. People thought I was ugly for a long time or the guys I would be, yeah, guys thought I wasn't, first of all, worthy. I, they didn't think I was worthy. I didn't look like some like white chick with blonde hair, which was a whole theme for a while. Then it switched to like, you know, a preference in like ethnicity 
Also, I, I'm a big girl, so like no one wanted to be around big girls. And I do not want to see any DMs about people thinking I'm insecure because I'm a big girl, because that's not the case. So do not hit me up being like, I'm into big girls. I will, I will, ver <laughs> I will wordsmith you to death about how you need to. And then she's going to send you to us and we're going to cut your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, like my whole point is like, I was not the expected picture of what a worthy relationship was. So I took that and I was like, hmm. All right, so I'm gonna do me and I'm gonna see what it's like to be in these different weird situations that are sort of uncomfortable, mm -hmm. sometimes comfortable, and then become uncomfortable. And then I'm gonna figure out my body and I'm also gonna figure out what I want from people, really. And so, or what I want in if I were to be in a relationship, because for a while I was anti relationship. And so, and I learned that sex itself does not keep bonds. It doesn't because it's real easy for take notes for guy for guys because I had sex with a lot of guys. They run off. They'll run off. And then they they think that it's justified and reasonable when they run off, where it's like if the flip side double standards of a girl does that, she's a hoe. But you guys are hoes for the ones who are treating me like that. And so I took it as a lesson. I learned and I learned that sex is not the bonding chip for a relationship. It really isn't. It's a. It's just a feature. It's an aspect. It's like an ingredient. It's an ingredient. It doesn't make the whole meal. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Doesn't make the whole meal. No, sorry, I I stepped on my soapbox again. Sometimes V's soapbox. No, that was deep, man. I I was listening intently because first of all, yeah, I feel like I don't know. I I it's it's illuminating to me because I find you extremely beautiful and attractive and I'm just like what is this I've never I can't even imagine but you know it's yeah I don't I don't know if, that's that's yeah. funny because V and I have had similar um just growing up in this in the same area similar um experiences and mm -hmm. being um othered extremely othered rejected for the intellect rejected wow. for because there are certain circles that will be like, ooh, yes, you're visually appealing and you're visually what I like, but, but, but you have a mind. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What? Yeah. You're saying all this crazy shit that doesn't fit into my jigsaw puzzle. Um, let's let's uh, record scratch for a second. Right, or that they are only interested in you for sex then because then your body type becomes fetishized or your otherness becomes yeah. fetishized. Ooh, I'm um, into so I've that girls. That Give me that jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> literally, I was, mm, I was at the breakfast table with my mother and uh -huh. my boothe, and a French man came up behind me and was like, oh, your hair is so beautiful, and like reached out to touch it, like at a restaurant, and I was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Sir. Wait, <laughs> uh, but I also was not used to getting that kind of attention. Like I'm receiving a lot more attention now that I'm older. Um, for my looks. And did that change? Did that change for you both? Do you find as you like the as the world has kind of evolved its view of like beauty and and there has been such a hyper focus on like intellect intellect for women and you know just sort of intellectual curiosity and and all of those things you find that like that changed at some point where you were just like oh my gosh there's so much floodgates open now that you know because you fit you both fit into a very kind of i feel like into a very 
kind of classical archetype of like what is considered to be beautiful. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm-hmm. and, and so that makes it me be like, what? I can't even imagine. Yeah, well, also, like, presentation also comes with, like, when I say presentation, like, I had a lot of clothes that didn't fit me growing up properly, or Mm -hmm. I also had a lot of clothes that were, like, seconds, seconded, hand-me-downs is the word I'm looking for, Um, and so a lot of the times, like, I had to work with what I had, Um, and, like, don't get me wrong, I wasn't, like, too toe-up, like, Kylie knew me back in the day. Like, so like, it was fine. Um, but it was just like one of those things that like with certain aspects of like how I wanted to express myself, I was limited, but that's okay. Cause that's still a pilot. So I, I worked with what I got. Um, but I also wasn't like, I wasn't prioritizing being sexy either. Like I wasn't trying to be like sexy or whatever. Like I was trying to work with being my authentic self, which was V being opinionated, V expressing like how upset I was about societal things, V being like, you know, just happy-go-lucky, weeaboo gamer girl, true place trombone. Like I was still very like transparent about the person that I was, but because like I was transparent about those things, like some people were like, oh, wait, you don't want to make me dinner? Glitch, glitch. Like, you know, like (laughs) you don't want to sacrifice every minute of your day to be with me? Glitch, glitch. And like, there was a guy like back in when in the Monterey days is what I'll call them. Like I did date him and he was a high school guy that I, we were both really good friends. And then in college we dated for a little bit and it was fine. But he was also like, he was so suppressed in his sexuality because he came from a religious family that he was not willing to stay committed. And he was also like very sexed up and like wanted to fuck everything that walked across his path. So it was like, uh, this is not something for the long term, but it's kind of cool that we got to try this. But again, that was me. Like, first of all, for him to be like the way that he was, mm-hmm. because he was, he had the eye to go towards everybody else that made me feel that I wasn't valued. Um, and so that kind of started, like, that was one of the things that kind of helped, like, put actually on the corkboard of like, what do I want from people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it was just, yeah. Cause like before, like in high school, no one wanted to date me in high school and middle school. I saw my like little skinny friends being dated. Um, but when it came to me, it was like, oh, no one's going to ask me out to the dance, even though on the Disney channel, everybody goes to the dance. So, <laughs> so yeah. And that was a lot of the struggle that I had to deal with. Um, so yeah, like when I'm older now, um, college was weird. And now I do have people who are just like, wow, you're beautiful, whatever. And it it feels good, but I feel like it happens more so when you're in a committed relationship than it does happen when you are single. That's probably Um, a fact. That's gotta be a scientific fact, I think. Yeah, like the hormones or something goes in the air saying like, she has a man, all right, we're gonna go fight for her. Like the masculine urge to like try to convince her to come over to your side. The masculine urge to conquer. And that really has nothing to do with you and all about the other man and their own manhood. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, feel, I feel like the same thing could be said for if you tell a man that you're not exclusively hetero. Like there was a thing that's like, oh, well, you gonna be today. You know, it's like, no, that you like can't customize my sexuality for your whatever conquest or whatever it's very odd i've i've never but that i feel like adds to the dimension too of like the idea that being able to 
you know, I don't know, somehow customize their appetite for like, oh yeah, I'm going to make, you know, design what I think is attractive and design what I think is, and I feel like women don't necessarily always do the same thing, design what they think is, you know, attractive and like find that and, you know, granted in the, in today's time, the, the scope of like, because there are in, Instagram influencers, I heard someone saying how that the Instagram influencer has made, you know, the, the level or whatever, the, the narrative of beauty very different because a lot of the Instagram influencers are not like blonde and blue eyed and, you know, that there's such different variances of beauty now that people are like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I hadn't seen this. So I didn't know this was attractive now that I've seen it. You know, it's like, oh, there is, you know, this is gorgeous and this is gorgeous and this is gorgeous. And yeah, I'm like, that makes sense. Patch also calls that, he's being brought up a lot today. He calls that the uniform. (laughs) He calls it like when when influencers look a certain type of way, like there is variances that you're talking about. But he also said that like the uniform changes where one decade it's literally blonde, blue eyes, big titties. And now it's like thick thighs, Kylie Jenner lips, the, the exclude, like the cat eye look, like he says, like it changes. And distinctly tan. I mean, there's distinctly tan. Black fishing fishing is so real. Yeah. It's like every influencer I'm oftentimes like, I don't even, I have to kind of take my time getting to know because I'm like, oh, there's a new black woman that's empowering. Oh no, wait, I was wrong. And and that just, yeah. I think we're now in an era where it's black is sexy. Mm. Black, black is always sexy. been sexy. We've black it's always been sexy. sexy. Um but in but to modify of, blackness for your own gain. In terms it, of what is necessarily automatically equated with sexiness right because you could see country there are sexy country singers but you don't think country and think sex you think hip-hop you think sex um and i think that is also something that is just comes along with being black and so like being perceived automatically i think as a sexual object and then um, Mm -hmm. wanting to present oppositely or not necessarily play into that perception because you want to be perceived as more of a whole entire being than a sexual object. I think definitely dictates um, a lot of what goes into personal style, right? Oh yeah. You can hear all the dogs barking in the background. Yeah, no, it's okay. Well, this kind of ends our Just Nerdy segment. Um, yes, oh my gosh, Tell Sorry. us, tell <laughs> us what lingerie means to you. Because we're, despite some of us having particular uh, opinions about it, we actually want to know what you guys think. Like, yeah. what's your take on being sexy? What's your take on a sexy gift giving? I know we kind of tangented onto expectations of sex, but please let us know. Um, All right, so just to kind of lighten the mood about Just Nerdy, uh, again, flipping the script, we're not trying to list down events that are happening, but actually talking about the overarching theme here, live action shows. So I noticed that live action has becoming more and more popular, um, that there is a desire to turn your favorite animations into real life takes or more realistic looking takes. Um, 
though this has been something that's been kind of going on for a while so like one show i can think of that was a live action i think it was a i can't remember if it was korean or japanese but they did a live action for sailor moon which was actually pretty cute um would recommend because they did like some of the little corniness that happened in sailor moon articulated into the live action so i was like i'm here for it but also let's talk about the 1990s uh mario brothers movie yeah Yeah. (laughs) with the weird like with the weird bowser looking guy who just kind of looked really weird um i forgot who the act what the actor's names are for that movie um it was uh oh he's he uh, the name is on the tip of my tongue now because oh my gosh he's been he was in mermaids and um and john leguizamo yeah john leguizamo yeah i almost said Luguini. (laughs) (laughs) i can't think of the uh, the uh, Mario at uh, Bob Hask- Hoskins. He was in um, Mermaids with Cher. Um, but but yeah, yeah, like so. Some of our favorites that we that we've played video games of to now, like you know, books are kind of like our iteration of turning from books to live action. Like I think it's a really interesting development. So like Scooby Doo and I remember uh, I used to be like. So, oh, Scooby-Doo, yeah. Uh, I used to be like really like, oh, this is cheesy. And I remember like when I was like 13, I saw cosplay for the first time. I'm like, ew, why does Inuyasha's like wig look all natted? You know, so <laughs> what's your, what's, <laughs> shout out to that cosplayer who who really like, who walked and made us run, like it's great. Um. So anyway, what's your guys' <laughs> takes on live action? Not who walked and made us run. Somebody was like, we got to fix it. Fix it, Jesus. <laughs> Elevate. I, it, you know what? It's, it, I feel like the, um, it has to be the right, like Speed Racer um, is an interesting one I think of, but like it has to be the right, like mix of good things that has to work all together because the casting also has to be right. Like, yeah. Um, like Alita Battle Angel, like they're different stuff that like has not always been cast right. I mean, but Detective Pikachu, which like, you know, my son is going to think that like Ryan Reynolds is like, no, like he knows his voice and hears him as that. So I feel like it's uh, like the aesthetics of the live anime, live action series. Well, it matters for so many reasons, because this is a chance for you to get some things right that were um, as we've talked about a lot in the characterization of like people of color, or you have almost a chance to kind of do this multidimensional kind of, you know, uh, I guess screen adapt adaptation, which now gives different motivations for stuff. I'm like, you know, if you can, I mean, everyone's talking about Jet Black and Cowboy Bebop because everyone's really excited with the fact that, um, you know, you can change a character from you know, worse to better. Um, and sometimes with the the setting and the storyline, you can rearrange the narrative a little bit so it doesn't feel as uh, maybe insensitive or tone deaf. And that's where I'm like, you know what? Live action is really a healthy tool for those kinds of things um, yeah. where you're, you might be able to really, you know, change the archetype of a character now. Um, yeah. So I'm and- looking forward to some stuff, yeah. Yeah, no. And what's funny about the Jet Black thing is that for years, people have been like labeling Jet Black as a Black man 
for years within like forums with Twitter. It was always played around that that man was black. And it's just because of his appreciation for jazz and like just how he went about things. So like, it was just funny that- And the way he was colored, drawn, like the gray- His facial hair, his facial structure. Like, yeah, there was a lot I mean, he has the John- Quincy Adams facial hair so like you know that still kind of keeps some white overtones let's be real like yeah that's true too yeah <laughs> I think it's just like when we when we look at I mean there's certain things that I'm like you know I'm eager to see how they portray certain things as we get as you know there's so many live action coming down but Jojo's Bizarre Adventure I feel like everybody's sort of you know we we know that that is there and then um but then it was like all these other, every week we have one. There's like a, a different one. There's Ultraman season two coming out now oh. that I'm like looking forward to like different things that for my dad growing up, right? Did not get a chance to see that live action and watch that every day. So I feel like that's something for like the audience that's slightly older than us to be like, oh my gosh, I get a chance to see these characters, um, like you said, in real time that are just, you know, that look vastly different than what my imagination was. And now because yeah. GI, you can even, you know, you can make even some of the nuances of those, of what, you know, an image looks like totally different. I'm laughing at like, everybody's waiting for Naruto and One Piece and Bleach live, you know, live action. Um, so there is a Bleach live action already. Yes, there is. And they did a good job. They did yes. a really good job. Oh, you're a good job. I am a good job. So my, my opinion on live action, I feel like it depends on um, like how well the fandom ages. Um, you know what I mean? And yeah. what the original um, intent and messaging was that was put into the show. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things yeah. and a lot of characters, especially like we can use um, anime like as a tool to talk about things that are kind of subversive. Or we'll put characters together where you're like, oh, like this character was way ahead of their time and didn't necessarily get all of the development, right? Um, That's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. But then also I think what I really love about the live action is because you have um, a source material that then heavily influences a whole culture. Um, For me, particularly, since we're talking about Cowboy Bebop, it would be Joss Whedon's Firefly right? Heavily oh, yes. influenced by yeah. Cowboy Bebop. So yeah. to see Cowboy Bebop done live action and to kind of see like the roles reverse, or I'm like, oh, this is literally like the Firefly ship or like, oh, these are uh-huh. some of the, the same like special effects that were used or, oh, this is being filmed and shot in a specific way where it's kind of like, oh, hey, Joss Whedon. Yeah, we saw you take this shit, but we're taking it <laughs> back. Like, so <laughs> there's definitely that aspect of like, I'm glad that you addressed the nod. I mean, don't get me wrong. No one likes Joss Whedon right now. Point blank. He sucks. Uh, Chris, Charisma Carpenter deserved better. Um, yes. Plus other... uh, there's many people on that show yeah. that deserve better. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I like that. <sighs> mm, it sucks that when a person sucks that they still have a weird influence on like artistic things. Well, the thing was, Joss Whedon took so much from. Cowboy oh, did he? Okay, no, yeah, I, so, I heard so this opposite, is why it's like it's like a reclaiming because Joss Whedon has his whole show, but it's <laughs> took so much from Cowboy Bebop, um, and it's like if you were not a Cowboy Bebop fan before, 
um, and you're a Joss Whedon fan, I love Joss Whedon's work. Please trust and believe I had to grow up. And then, you know, you meet your heroes, you meet your idols and you find out, hey, they're uh-huh. really horrible human beings. Try or you them. like put their work, their artwork on a pedestal. And then you actually start doing the research and finding out all of these other influences because Joss is a huge weeb, like giant weeb, right? Um, yeah. And so, but there's certain things where just like, this was literally just copied and pasted over and because you're a white man people gave you all of this credit for your creativity and your vision he was doing some trifling yeah he was going Um, so to have this live action cowboy bebop giving credit where credit is due and also being very clear about these parallels like if you watch Mm -hmm. firefly there's no way that you're gonna watch cowboy bebop and not see like oh that's definitely where that came from um and vice versa they're both i love both shows i love firefly like please the fandom is so real um yeah and i think that's one of the only reasons why i can actually sit here and pick out and be like even some of these set pieces are the same or this like you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i mean um things like that uh, so i really appreciate that about live actions because it is like you can pay homage to one another but also you can be like hey this is where your influence came from this is what it kind of would have looked like if it was done artistically more like authentically to the original show and not necessarily like someone else's whole other just revisioning or interpretation or repackaging of that show so yeah yeah live actions I think allow allow a a clearing to happen as well so let's let's do this by genre so for anime Name a live action that you watched, one thing that they did well, and one thing that they could have improved on. Okay. That's hard. I have to think about it. Um, Just anime. We're going to go down the list real quick. So there's going to be anime, comics, and maybe just miscellaneous regular cartoons. um, Or video games, actually. Let's do video games. Oh, that one's also hard because there's some nuances there of like um, childhood versus adulthood. Because I'm going to say things like um, Laura Croft's Tomb Raider. I, as a child, I thought was great. As an adult, I'm like, what in the? Um, <laughs> but but I I you know it. I don't know how to say this in the way of saying like the everything was was particular like they got it right with the casting and um i mean angelina jolie is a phenomenal like method actor and like embodied that whole entire role and she nailed it but there was so many things in the storyline that i was just like i i say the same thing about like the resident evil franchise say with the silent hill franchise it's like there's just some things that they were like forget the video game like it was a source material and that's it okay um but but i like all three of those and i and you know most people who know i like survival genre video games so for me those three are especially i'm like silent hill was done pretty but like to bring you get one you get one <laughs> oh oh one okay so let's i'm picking laura cross tomb raider um yeah <laughs> okay kylie Ooh, um i would have to say the full metal alchemist live action um they did the casting really well they did the storyline because you can't really mess up that storyline you know what i mean like that it's solid you're not really going to be able to deviate too much from like the core story and the core dynamic 
of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the special effects <laughs> were a little weird. <laughs> so, and, but a it's little. like it is of the time, right? Like when things are made. Um, Do they just, hold up? Yeah. Did they hold up? And you're like, ooh, this definitely, like, there's some things that are just harder to translate from animation. Yep. Um, so the special effects were definitely one of those things where I was like, this is a little weird. But overall, um, yeah, I think that live action stands up. I think it was really good. Okay. Um, I, for video games, I'll go back to anime a little bit later. So for video games, I actually did appreciate resident evil growing up uh resident evil was really fun to watch especially with like mila Djokovic. is that how you say her last name yeah i think that's it (laughs) okay uh yeah no i really liked how they used it as source material it was like one of those things where the resident evil world is already so vast so they really played with the idea that there's other places where the virus could break out and so that they used her storyline with using overall themes right so they had jill valentine in a movie i think they had um claire redfield in another movie um so i really i really liked the um the dynamic that they kind of the way that they spiced it up through a new protagonist so i thought that was really cool all right now progress you did you did um what was the last one that you did um uh video games you did video games so anime one um oh this one is hard i'm gonna say probably oh alita battle angel because i mean it's hard to beat uh robert rodriguez and james cameron and like i know it got mixed reviews but um there are certain things that I'm like, you know what? I I feel like it's so cliche to say speed racer, but I feel like the Wachowskis, listen, I the Wachowskis are excellent at doing like cult classic shit. They are so good at that. And speed racer just that that may be probably like one of the best um in terms of like just directorial like storyline and the visuals right the visuals just are giving it speed racer is very hard to do in terms of like making it a visual candy without making it corny so i'm gonna give it for speed racer um because yeah i can't get over it and christina ricci like i mean you know i love christina ricci oh yeah we like some we like we like christina ricci yeah and all right (laughs) video game kylie (laughs) Um, I'm terrible with the video games, so I like, could I even really think of one? My brain is still stuck on like Eon Flux and Ghost in the Shell for those live actions. Yeah, Eon Flux, I forgot about that. I did, you know what, and and, uh, speaking of like that role, uh, it's funny that we've picked a lot of ones that are like women protagonists or women at the helm that yeah though because they, they've got like great actors notice i'm like well some of the ones that are cast with with men at the helm oh don't don't always have like a great actor but like some of these actors that they've picked for these like mila jovovich we talked about and, and i'm like she and everything yeah it's like these folks are like um what's her name charlie theron like these are like great actor you know they're they're yeah, their depth is incredible. 
Wait, I just thought of something. So Avatar, the last airbender, technically. No, 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 you're done. You're done. <laughs> no, we don't, we're not bringing this up. You, you're not gonna, you're not gonna bring this up as a good one. Sorry, I'm not. No, it was it. terrible. Nope. nope. Good, good job. You tried. You did a good job, Kylie. That one in there, Kylie. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of one anime show in particular that I watched that was a live action, but I can't remember. The only thing I can think of is that I did appreciate, I've always wanted to watch the Hironi Kenshin one, but I haven't had a chance, so I don't have an opinion on it. But I did appreciate the back and forth or the anime-like style of um, Kill Bill, where oh, yeah. like when they did the story about uh, Lucy Liu's character, I kind of liked the play yeah. on both of those things. So I'm just going to throw that in there because I know that there was a show I watched, but I just can't remember exactly which one it was. That was just a really good anime live action. I know there's yeah. Death Note. I did watch the Ronin Kenshin yeah. one um, and it was like production value. It's a stunning stunning series for real yeah yeah based off of the screenshots that i've seen i really liked how they really did it kind of like a period piece yes yeah. they did yeah, yeah so because it is it, it took place i think in the edo period or something like that um and i like the the anime with corona kenshin i liked how they really addressed like issues that were happening in that era where it was like there was the war and then there's also like the opium like opium was like the birth of opium what it felt like so yeah. it was just really crazy how they did like really address all of that stuff so like a highly I, political show like yeah. it really is yeah. a very intellectual show Ooh. all right now <laughs> miscellaneous we did video games we did anime cartoons or comics oh this one is hard because comics with like marvel and dc just going at war with each other for so much I, oh this one is hard um without so what i will say i did not know this film was based on a japanese manga so i really liked uh, the korean film old boy not the u.s likely version but the you know korean one I mean, it, it works like a manga. So I don't know why I didn't even know that until recently. And I was like, oh my gosh, that has got to be one of the best live action just in cast and storyline and the way that they were able to create the dark, miserable kind of imprisonment, torture, and like this revenge experience. I'm like, that shit is legendary. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pick that instead of like one of the traditional like because i would pick a marvel movie because i'm a marvel fanatic but i'm not going to say that this time <laughs> about you kylie um i was thinking spawn okay that's a um one. yeah i was like i really enjoyed that uh translation so i'm like wait for this plane uh, but I think <laughs> okay. We it was like I can't hear it. I could barely hear it. Yeah. Um, but I really um, just like the feeling, you know, when you like read a comic and you just like there's so much that goes into like the colors that are chosen, and it's like you have this like richness, um, and that goes into like creating like this grit of that world because it is a hard hitting 
um, comic and a hard hit, like when they first did it too with the um, animation and then seeing yeah. the live action, they definitely, I think, did a great job doing that translation and doing that adaptation and that like fully great. fleshing out those characters. So I think Spawn was probably like one of the ones where I'm just like, yeah, like I have no complaints about how they did that. I feel like with comics, there's always like the argument of just like, did they stick to the original storyline? Are they doing like alternative things? Like, mm-hmm. is this character really being set up right? Did they get the the clothing choices right? The music right? Uh, I feel like Spawn is one of the ones where it was just like, everything was hit you in the gut, just like it did when you like read the comics. So yeah no that's a good one um I actually appreciate (laughs) this might be controversial um I liked the Tim Burton version of Batman oh I so here's the thing with Batman that I don't like it's carried on for so long that I'm just like (laughs) can we let Batman retire he should have retired when Adam West passed away just <laughs> like let's just let's just be done with Batman. But I do like about the Batman franchise that they take a creative new spin on each movie, um, where like they really upgrade the gadgets and they really upgrade the the how each villain is is presented. Like the different iterations of the Joker is is for me. I'm like I kind of like the variations of this, but the Tim Burton one comes out to me the most prominent is because of how wacky everything looks and feels and like how Gotham villains are supposed to be kind of wacky and like weird and like keeping people on their toes and just like you feel like really weird but when I saw like the Riddler as Jim Carrey which was like such a perfect fit (laughs) and like you know Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman like and then you had just something about that like just the aesthetics of it like I really appreciated the most whether if it was like George Clooney and I think Val Kilmer did a Tim Burton iteration of it too like I just really loved those versions of Batman and because like yeah Gotham is supposed to be like it reminds me of New York um but it's supposed to feel that that like the what was depicted and was supposed to feel like that so that's what I really liked about that so um I wish there was more but I think it was tastefully done to have Tim Burton just do a few of them and then just call it um but yeah are you looking forward to Robert Pattinson's Batman uh uh like I the only thing that's kind of keeping me like I kind of want to watch it is having Zoe Kravitz yeah um so that's the only thing um but other than that I'm like I don't need another Batman I can do like like no I don't need another Batman like I'm kind of over it like it especially I like the fact that it's a deconstructed it's a more um dark and and sort of I guess deconstructed part of the vigilante uh that they're showing like the you know this really like recluse and kind of like anti-heroic which is like what it's supposed to be I feel like you know finally we get that person who's you know not the, the I'm just waiting for a bunch of like jacked up Robin films where they're he's just like Robin's got daddy oh, it's issues it's <laughs> because of I would, Batman <laughs> I would love a Batman Beyond I would yeah. love a Batman Beyond live action 
Like that yeah. would be cool. Like I really liked the animated series, but to have like maybe yeah. to maybe introduce more characters, like there's uh, Damian Wayne and then there's um, all the Robins and like, you know, just seeing Bruce Wayne being older and seasoned. I think that would be good. But I like how they did with Gotham, like where they, you know, kind of. Oh, the prequel. Built. I mean, you know, if they, yeah, yeah. I really like Gotham in terms of the cast and the story and the character development. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that because it got canceled last year, right? Or is it uh, this year? One of the. Oh, it got canceled. Months. Damn, I was working through it. <laughs> yeah. It, um. It, well, temporarily, right? Because I feel like 2020 was a lot of TV changed. It's not the stuff got canceled as I see now. Stuff yeah. is popping back up on different networks, but. Um, the TV series as it existed and like what they were doing at that point in time is canceled. So it might crop back up on Hulu or something like that mm -hmm. new, or Amazon Prime, which is snatching up everything that's been canceled. Like give it to us. We'll, we'll find some showrunners for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I liked Gotham. Gotham was really good. I was interested in seeing the, um, the Gordon story and I really like the prequel of it all like where you see like yeah. kind of the villains starting off from their like their origins um so like yeah. the penguin for example and then they had uh Jada Pinkett Smith as that new character which was really yeah. cool I forgot what her name was in her alias um and then they had um Jeremy Von Chelka Von Sheka, who was supposed to be kind of like a mimic of the Joker and that yeah. was portrayed by um, Cameron, I think McConaughey from Shameless. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, oh, and the last thing that I screamed at was was Ed Nigma, the Riddler, where that was oh, yeah. an obvious nod to Jim Carrey. Yes. Obvious nod to Jim Carrey. Yes. I was like, that looks like that could be Jim Carrey's cousin, for real. Well, that's why, <laughs> that's why I'm like, I'm kind even though you know Robert Pattinson is that I was like the other cast is like Colin Farrell as Andy Serkis as Alfred, which is like, I mean, it, yeah. it just that is John Turturro. It's Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, or rather, at that point in time, Lieutenant Gordon. Um, I'm just like excited to see this other cast act their ass off. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> like Peter Sarsgaard is in it. I forget what uh, his role is, but like another Sarsgaard brother. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's one That's of the a family of actors. <laughs> yeah, he's the one from Dead Man Walking, um, that film. Again, someone who is, uh, you know, just a tour de force when it comes to acting. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this, this is going to be interesting. But yeah, I don't know about whether or not I hear you on like letting the letting the franchise retire Batman for a while and let everybody else get some shine. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the Batman universe is super dynamic. Like they they gave it a shot with Justice Justice League, which I wasn't really too much about. I I would love to see more prequelisms, and I would love to see more sequelisms. Um, that would be really cool. Okay, yeah. so one last question, and then we're gonna have to close out. Yes. Which show should just stay as a cartoon, anime, whatever, and never should see the light of of the camera across the board like any video game anime just uh, anything comic. anything that just needs to stay put oh boy i'll go first you go ed, first ed ed and eddie 
I, I bet they, okay, okay. I'm that, not gonna it's going to be the most unhygienic thing in the world. And I don't need to know, like, and if they're yeah. going to do this correctly, they need to have the most grungiest looking, looking people to play these little kids. Um, but identity can stay put. Oh my God, you said that. And then immediately my mind was like, oh God, Ren and Stimpy. Oh my God. Or like cat dog. Like. (laughs) That's yours. You're done. All right, Prowers, let's go. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know if there's something, um, geez, that I'm like, is a, what what I will say, and it's not even, it just applies overall. Stay away from trying to remake things that, like Mulan and just remakes. I'm tired of the remakes. Like just oh, let okay. That's a good take. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of the remakes are can can retire because now they're just kind of feeding at nostalgia. And to be honest, I as much as I really wanted to, because Will Smith was in the cast, but I didn't even see Aladdin. I didn't see Aladdin. I didn't see Mulan. I didn't see uh The Lion King. I didn't see any of those remakes because in my mind, I'm like, I kind of want to preserve what I had as a child and it's not Mm -hmm. the remakes. Yeah. All right. Well, if anybody has any opinions uh, and wants to fight, please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So a couple of things before we wrap up the show, Um, I don't think we had a big move Monday, but if you guys had anything from what I, from the last time we kind of chatted about it, please uh, interrupt me. Um, But I do want to let you guys know, just look out for MAGFest. Proudest and I will be uh, kind of walking around the con um, and just kind of hanging out. If you guys have any questions about the show or we might just like, you know, stop to get to know you, like we'll just be around. Um, The lineup, the musical lineup has been fire. So please go check that out. We got some family in there, like Kadesh Blow and Damn Celine. So like I am Damn Celine be looking good lately. Hello, Celine. I mean, you know, going to shut the stage down is all I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so like I'm just I'm just excited. When I saw Damn Celine like announced, I went and with in Aoxis is performing alongside uh, his peers that like they do like all the different fun stuff. You've got like um, who else did I see that just recently got announced? Oh, Game Bros. So Omega Sparks and Slots got announced, which are like I'm looking forward to meeting so many people that I haven't had a chance to meet yet. So yeah, I hope that there's like some sort of like mixer. That would be really cool. Um, but yeah, no, that's, it's so dope to see like everyone just thriving on, on the, on the, uh, the announcement. So it's really awesome. Um, some other call to actions. I kind of actually want to just kind of continue the call to action for, um, you know, those retail workers and fast food workers who are on strike. Um, it's a really rough season and, uh, for things to happen with change about respect, their pay, you name it. Uh, I support like, you know, not purchasing things from big corporations. Um, and taking a break during this holiday season um, so that that way um, the voices are heard, uh, essentially. So, um, and then other than that, uh, Big Move Monday, do you guys have anybody in mind? Um, I'm trying to think of if there's anything that I've seen that 
Um, let's see, I don't have a big move Monday this week from anyone that. That's okay. If we don't have anyone, we'll have somebody next week. If you guys have anybody that's a local hero and you want to shout them out on the show, please let us know. Um, But other than that, thank you so much for listening to Lady Blair Sings the Blues. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Pods, and our original home SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Lady Blair's Podcast. Wow. Uh, For questions and suggestions on the show, uh, you can hit us up on Instagram or just email us at don'tcastanddrive at gmail.com. Uh, lastly, beats shout out to the rap nerd, DJ Tyogen and Mark Cooper. Uh, these soundscape outs lifted throughout the show and I hope they keep your hearts lifted as well. But yeah, uh, I think we have maybe one more show before we close out for the holiday season. So uh, we will see you guys next time.